welcome to Arts Monday Simpoesis on ESAD Radio 89.7 FM. This program airs to you from the Gedigal land of the Eora Nation, traditional custodians of this land, and I pay my respect to the elders, past, present, and yet to come. My name is Ira and today's show is coming to you from Zagreb, Croatia. A couple of days ago, while here in Zagreb, I learned about a Croatian musician and VR artist Lucia Ivšić, who three years ago relocated to Melbourne, where she is now a PhD candidate in Sensilab at the Monash University. Her research is engaged with the intersection between art and technology and includes multimedia installations and VR projects. Alongside this, and perhaps as a part of it, Lucia, who here in Europe is widely known as a frontwoman of a punk rock band Punchke, has initiated a new music project called Jiva which combines elements of trip-hop, witch house, alternative R&B and electronic music with the folklore sound from Slavonia, a region in Croatia where Lucia is from. Lucia and I met to talk about this project as well as what inspired her to leave Croatia for Melbourne in the first place what was it like to move to the new country just as COVID was about to put the whole city into a repetitive lockdown and shut the music scene completely? How her music project Jiva emerged from all this and from Lucia's sense of dislocation and shattering of her previous identity. Here is my conversation with Lucia Ipšić, recorded last week in a busy cafe in the center of Zagreb. As we start, maybe we can describe where we are, what surrounds us, what the temperature is like, what is... It's very hot. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, some kids are, some kids are running, as, as you can probably hear. We try our best to find a really quiet place. We're in the city center of uh, Zagreb, the capital of Croatia, sitting in a nice bar. I think there's some sort of heat wave that hit uh, Croatia this week. So it's, I think it was like even 40 or 35, I don't know. It's very hot and humid. And um, if I have trouble with speaking, that's probably just because the, the temperature is lowering my energy. <laughs> so yeah, we're surviving. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we are both here in Croatia, where we actually just met a couple of days ago, because uh, we are both Croatians, but it happens that we both live in Australia these days. I've been in Sydney for 15 years, and you moved to Melbourne in 2019. Yep. Tell me a bit about this move. How come that you moved to Melbourne? Why Melbourne? Um, yeah, so it was very, I think it was very ad hoc, it was very spontaneous uh, and it happened quite quickly. So 
I just, uh, I guess I had a, for 15 years I had a band and I traveled, I had the opportunity to actually travel the world and then at some stage I just realized that um, I felt like I hit the ceiling. It wasn't that I haven't had a good life here in Croatia, it was just more, I felt very saturated with the uh, frustrations, like everyday frustrations. I, I have an engineering background, a master's degree in geodesy and geomatics, but at the same time I've been a musician for 15 years and then in Croatia there's no way of combining the both, mm -hmm. using the engineering skills to create some creative works. It was always you have to choose what you want to be and I just didn't like that. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to waste my energy anymore. I, I pushed my band, we toured Asia, we did US, we did so many things and I just felt that most of my energy goes on initiating things mm -hmm. and pushing other people rather than doing my ideas. So together with my partner I was just like, hey, I just gotta move. I hope mm -hmm. you want to go with me but let's move and um, we sat down and we we're like, okay, we're gonna find something, let's make a list of 10 cities in the world that can sort of tick all the boxes. For me, the main box was to have a really lively and rich creative scene. And for my partner, he's also an engineer. That's where we met at the uni. So for him, it was like, okay, it's the School of Engineering, PhD. And- um, Which cities were they? There were, uh -huh, uh, there was, uh, I sort of forgot, but I think it was like Malmo in Sweden, Amsterdam, um, Berlin, London. We sort of kicked out the US, although I was very much into the US at the time, now I'm not. <laughs> but, um, and then we started exploring Australia, and then there was Melbourne, and there was, there was even Adelaide, and Newcastle. Sydney was actually not. Oh, Sydney was also University of Technology. Yeah. And yeah, so we narrowed it down, and then I was like, hey, you know, Adelaide, it seems nice, but it's sort of small city, smaller. It's not small, but you know what I mean. I was just like, I'm not sure if the scene is there, what I need. And then I remember I was hearing about Melbourne. Like a live music scene is awesome, and then I started googling, looking at photos, and they were like, "Okay, Melbourne seems like the place." Mm. Melbourne and Sydney uh, were top two, and then my partner. So he was already doing a PhD here in Croatia, but it was just, it was just when you're doing a PhD in Croatia, it's a very different story from a PhD in Australia. You do something that you don't necessarily want to do. Mm -hmm. They push you to do a certain theme and it's very old school like you know the thing that you're exploring is like 20 years old mm -hmm. you know it's not something that is about to come <laughs> it's already in the past yeah and it can't be applied to the yeah no 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 it was like really overdated you know yeah. so long story short um he applied to melbourne university of melbourne and within a week a mentor supervisor reached back out and said you know I think you're an interesting candidate let's meet up met up with him and in a month 
he got offered a full scholarship and a stipend. And um, we were like, okay, we should pack our bags. And then the thing is, we couldn't prove that we are de facto partners because in Croatia, you usually, you know, paying cash for your rent. <laughs> uh -huh. So although we were together for a long time, we just couldn't prove that we are actually partners. So we were just like, hey, should we marry, get married? And I was like, okay, let's do it. And we got married within a month and we pack our bags and moved to Melbourne. And then a year in, COVID hit and I, I, I had a job, like a full-time job. In Melbourne? In Melbourne. Then Doing what? I was a production manager at the Victoria Innovation Hub. So I was working with startups and doing events because I had a lot of experience with events. I, I did heaps of live music shows, not just for my band, but I was doing other bands, big bands like Duran Duran, Noel Gallagher, Warpaint. So I was, yeah, it was like high-end production. And then I got a job. I landed a job actually quite quickly, like two months time. And it was a good thing because it helped me integrate. As I said, we didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. We were really there. We just, you know, like came from Mars. Okay, this is Australia. Okay, yeah. welcome. And then I realized that, okay, this is not for me. Nine to five, it's great, but I wanna, instead of fulfilling other people's ideas, I wanna do my own ideas. Yes. And that's how I started doing my own stuff. And that's, I guess, that's how I ended up having an interview with you. Yeah, but but in between that, yeah. between yeah, there was a lot of stuff. before we met actually, which was only a couple of days ago, and we are talking about 2019. You moving to Melbourne, where your partner was doing PhD, but it was initiated basically by you this desire to live somewhere outside of Croatia. But then you also applied to do your own PhD at Monash University, yep. and now you're a PhD candidate in Sensolab. Is yep. that the name? Um, so what is your PhD and was PhD something that you were planning to do in no, Croatia No, no, actually or? like it was so random and I don't know if my supervisors are listening but it, it's, a, it's a nice story. I was like, actually, I was like, okay, I really want to do something. Um, I, I, like the, the, the whole move was like I need to displace myself, mm. get out of the comfort zone and start experimenting with my life, with my identity, with whatever. I just have to mm. do something beyond that. Uh, I want to I put myself through that challenge. And, um, and then I realized, okay, I have all these ideas that I was writing down all these years about creating something beyond music. So I was initially a musician for 15 years, but it wasn't enough for me. I thought that performance is something, um, performance as a medium, is something that I really am interesting in. So I was, I got drunk one night and I was like, Marco, that's the name of my partner. I was like, I think, you know, I, I was Googling this bar. I was like, I was drunk and I was Googling something, creative technologies. I don't even know. I, I, I wasn't even like what it is, where it is. And then Sensilab came up and I was like, what? You know, this is it because their motto is combining engineering skills with art practices. So it's a lab that actually was founded in 2015 by faculty of IT and faculty of arts, design and architecture at Monash University. Mm -hmm. So they have computer scientists that also have a continuous artistic practice mm -hmm. in sometimes it's my machine learning and creative and some installations, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I got drunk. <laughs> 
and I was like, I'm just gonna find an email of this director of this lab and I'm just gonna tell him who I am and tell him my ideas. And I did that. And within an hour, he responded, hey, you know, I like your ideas, let's meet up. And I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, the next day we met up and uh, COVID was already there. So we were in lockdown, we met up over Zoom and I was just like, hey, this is what I, you know, I wanna, I wanna push my ideas, I wanna work on them, I wanna have time to just do them. And, you know, within a month, I got awarded with the scholarship and stipend. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna quit my job and uh, I'm gonna do this, whatever it is. So yeah, it's been a year now, a year and a couple of months that I'm into my PhD. It's a practice-based PhD. So the whole thing is that you uh, apply research through design methodology, which means that I am exploring and gaining knowledge through the design of artifacts and then contextualizing them through written form. So at the end of my PhD, I'm gonna have an exhibition with my old opus of works. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm gonna have a written thesis. Before we go into yep. more projects that are connected to PhD, which includes some installations and VR activities and projects, and also the music that you're currently doing in Melbourne, which is a new project called Jiva, and it's electronic, almost cyber-style music yeah. combined with uh, the folklore music from the part of the world that you're from originally. I just want to go back into your music origins a bit. You mentioned how you had a band for 15 years before you moved overseas and this was a punk rock yeah. band that you <laughs> initiated when you were 14. Can you talk to us a bit about yeah. that project? So the, so the band was called Punchke and it was also like very spontaneous. I don't have any musical um, education. And when I was 14, I, I, so I, I came from a really small town at east of Croatia called Vinkovci. And I don't know, I was just like sitting with my friend who by chance had a drum set, but she didn't know how to play a drum. And then I also had a guitar and I wasn't very skilled with the guitar. And we started just like jamming together. And then I was like, okay, let's just call our friend. She can sing. And three weeks later, we had our first gig. We didn't even have our songs. We did some covers. And the thing was, I was totally into psychedelic music, progressive rock. So I was Pink Floyd, Iron Butterfly, Hocus Pocus. I don't know. It was just like everything is experimental. Whereas my best friend, the drummer, she was oi punk, you know. And the third person was totally into, I don't, I don't know, what was she listening to, electronic music. So it was like a mashup of stuff, but we just didn't care. We started the, the thing and then it just, it just, be, it, it became a really big thing. It became, you know, we toured with Queens of the Stone Age and I started writing songs for the band. And then I became a front woman, so, you know, it was just like filtering out. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing was that we were among the first all-female bands in this area mm -hmm. at that time. So it was, it was definitely something that taught me how to push <laughs> through walls. And um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was the hardest thing to let go when I moved to Australia. And um, yeah, it, we, we, we had like five albums. We even, we were nominated for MTV EMA. It's like a Grammy, but like smaller, like MTV Grammys, I don't mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. And we were nominated among like Adele and I don't know. <laughs> so it was, 
at one stage it was it was you know it was a full-time gig although I was you know at the uni we were all studying and all that it was a full-time gig we had like over 400 gigs all together in 30 countries all over the world we toured Japan Taiwan Philippines Malaysia we were all over the place and then in what stage Queens of the Stone Age they actually reached out to us we got an email I got an email saying hey Lucia we dig your songs do you want to have a tour with us and we were like what the hell like what so we toured we, we were like because they were coming to Croatia or to not tour just in them? Croatia no. they, they were like touring Balkans and then they invited us to be their official choice of support band so we really I really did spend time with Josh home and like it was just out of this world and um, yeah so it was I don't know I was always just like pushing more and more and more let's do more and more and more and more uh, but now in retrospect when I moved to Australia I realized oh my god we actually did something you know like five albums we had in 2013 we were um, proclaimed to be the best uh, band in Croatia best album of the year there was like heaps of stuff constantly happening um, so yeah <laughs> And then you come to Melbourne, yeah, and, 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 as, and as you mentioned in one of the articles I was reading with you, an interview in a Croatian newspaper called Nacional, I think you mentioned how you come to Melbourne and this identity that you had being known for this success, musical success here, is completely irrelevant there. So many of the things that you're currently exploring in your art practice and it connects to your PhD is connected to identity and losing who you are basically in 24 hours from here to there. Yeah, so I, I, when I was in the process of move, like when I was still in Croatia but knew that I'm like flying to Melbourne, I knew that the hardest thing will be my band, leaving the band. We officially had our last tour and all that. But I was never aware how big of an impact. Then I, moving to Australia, I realized that here in, not just Croatia, but like here in Europe, everybody knows, like, I really can open a lot of doors for myself just because there's been a substantial amount of work through 15 years and it's a, you know it's a live presence it's mm -hmm. a public presence and coming to Melbourne it was just it was it, it felt like a crash it was really devastating for me because I just couldn't I was to completely lost I was I just didn't know you know, I, like my first weeks, I was I was emailing random people to to like, hey, let's have a let's have a jam together. But the thing it was that that's not me. I'm I made a band spontaneously with my friends, and I never played with any other people. Uh, so I felt like I'm betraying, like I'm this is this is not who I am, mm -hmm. and playing a guitar, you know coming from a punk band you you have to have a band behind you you know it's like how how can I do this solo I can't do this solo with the guitar right mm. so I just started thinking okay so this is this is definitely affecting my who I am I don't know who I am anymore I don't know what's my place I, I definitely succeeded in that one thing that I wanted to be displaced I really felt like I just removed 
the ground beneath my feet and like what which now? is what you wanted which is what I wanted but it was awful like it's really it's still you know in the works um, mm. and we are talking about specific time as well because you basically landed into a 300 days lockdown yeah yeah it was how soon after coming to Melbourne well it, it was like six months I think the the biggest thing was the biggest challenge is that I mentioned you earlier is like interpersonal communication with other people and where is your place when you're having interactions with other people and I realized that all of a sudden nothing is taken for granted I don't have any friends over there so I have to get myself into those new interactions and due to COVID and lockdowns mm -hmm. I couldn't do that in a yeah. proper way but also I don't know how to introduce myself because what I'm gonna say I'm Lucia from Punchke no one knows who Punchke are like no one no one gives a shit you know mm -hmm. it's irrelevant as you said so it, it was like I don't know how to do this mm -hmm. I, I, it felt like I lost a tool I lost it felt like I, I actually lost a sense, a voice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but it was, it's just on many levels. It's not just about like Punchke and what I was doing. It was just that Punchke really made me do everything else as well. They made who I was. They made the way I'm talking to other people. I'm introducing myself clubs that I'm attending, venues that I'm, concerts, whatever, you know? It was just totally intertwined into my everyday life. And by losing that, by giving that away, actually, not losing, I was just left with tabula rasa. <laughs> and then at the same time, as I was saying, you're locked in your yeah. own flat or apartment yeah. or house that you live in, in Fitzroy, in Melbourne new city that you can't fully explore because everything is locked anyway which in some way also allows you to really sit with yourself quite intensely for extended period of time what happens there how do you deal with what's going on in your life and what was that moment where you figure out well okay this is how i'm going to overcome this this is what i'm going to do to I think, become something yeah, else i think uh, my biggest advantage my biggest you know skill is that people and now in Australia they even tell me that again so I guess that's that's there's always this part of identity that is always there and for me I think it's like I'm a do it now person yeah do it now you just have to do it so you're looking for the core of who you are yeah. and, and what you can take and I to think anything. this is yeah. this is what I am I'm, I'm gonna make it happen always yeah and nothing is gonna stop me and if you try to stop me I'll just find another way to do it and when I was sitting down you know during the lockdown in my apartment I was just like you know looking at that guitar hating myself because I'm not able to take that guitar and do something and then I started just writing down so I started writing just my flow and consciousness every morning I I think the other thing that helps me is that I'm very systematic and self-disciplined so I would wake up and first thing that I would do is just write down at least three pages there's actually that, that thing three you know maybe you know about it uh, the artistic the artist, way. Uh, the artist way so that was my first step and it changed it definitely changed 
everything for me. Just writing things down. Just writing down. So I would wake up and the first thing I would do, I would just sit down and write. What, what do you think happens? Like what, what changes? Is it because you're offloading yourself from the material and stress and stuff? I think what happens is that, you know, the first two pages are just like, oh, you know, socks, uh, table, chair, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And then on the third page, I'm already like, I don't actually want to work at this job anymore. Right. I feel I'm unhappy. This is not why I moved to Australia. When I'm writing in the morning, I'm actually having a cup of coffee with myself. Mm -hmm. and like a therapy almost. Yeah, and it's a dialogue. And I don't necessarily know the questions, but I do gain answers. And it's a process. It didn't happen overnight, let's be real. You know, it took me at least two months of writing every day. Um, yeah. and do then you have moments in this process where you are sitting above the page and you don't know what to write anymore? I or don't, is it com always I don't, I don't. I don't allow myself to do that. Okay. That's why I, sometimes I'm like very, you know, very harsh on myself. It's like, no, no, you have to do this. And I just write. I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't know what to write, I don't know. Just write, like, the fear of a blank page, you know, it's a, it's a common fear. And I just didn't allow myself, I, I didn't allow the blank pages and, like, insecurity or not having inspiration to stop me. I was just like, no, you have to push through. It's like running when you run. I, I was running at one period of my life and I would, like, run 10K three times per week but every single time I would come at 2k and I would be like oh my god I cannot do this anymore it's like the hardest moment but it only lasts you just have to push through that one minute and then you continue and it's like wow you're like a breeze you know you're just like Phew. so I was like this is it let's let's experiment that this is it let's just go through that minute heart minute and it paid off I feel like, in retrospect, when I think about it, I feel like it's just um, when I prove myself that I can go beyond that glimpse of not being able to write or not, you know, just don't wanting, not wanting to write or produce. I just now apply that to everything that I do. I'm just mm -hmm. like, uh huh. So you don't want to do it? Well, you should do it. Mm -hmm. Feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah, and and. I think that was the biggest thing for me. That's how I sort of, it was, it was hard. Like I was crying, I was, you know, I was very frustrated. Uh, I was like thinking, you know, what did I do? Why did I do that? Why did I move across continents? 30 hour flight to come to Australia, to do full, like a nine to five job, to do mm. things for other people? No, no, that's not me. I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed for myself. I felt shame. And it was like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I have to do something about this. There's mm -hmm. no, one, no one can help me because the thing that I want to do is actually to express myself. Yes. And there's no job where the description is express yourself. That job is called art, <laughs> you know, <laughs> being creative. Yeah. And if I cannot push myself, no one can help me. So now, um, yeah, and I guess I think the the second. Sorry, I'm. It's a it's a it's a very big <laughs> topic, <laughs> but I think the other thing is also uh, just not thinking about the outcome. 
mm-hmm. you know when I was with Punchke and that was uh, you know there was a pattern where okay so I'm gonna do a song and that song will eventually come up on an album but then when I moved to Australia having nothing I just realized that having anything is already a success and then I was just like I just want to do something you know I'll mm. just produce a line or lyrics for the song whoops okay Miracle pause in Sydney. Yeah. You know that one? <laughs> no. And the plane goes because we live close to the airport. So you have this really loud planes passing and you have to pause and you talk because you can't hear each other because it's too loud. And we call it Miracle Pause. Oh, okay. So this is Zagreb. I pause. wonder now that I'm like, now that we sort of like quiet down ourselves for the ambulance to go, I wonder if people listening to this will. You know, with all these sounds around us, if they can visualize, I always visualize when I'm hearing, I always like visualize where the people are at. And yeah, I don't know, people are visualizing, but it's nice and hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say that it's also about that's a new thing for me that came out of lockdown is that uh, I don't necessarily have to have a finished work. It doesn't have to be, yeah, there's a goal, mm. there's a you know, finish line, but it's, it's about the process. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I never understood that before. You know, a lot of artists talk about the process, you know, enjoying the process, acknowledging the process. I, I, I was always confused when I was like, no, no, you, you should release an album. You should do something, you know, concrete, right? Mm. Well, not necessarily, not anymore. <laughs> It's very liberating when you yeah. come to that stage yeah. where it's That's a good word. about yeah. I want to play a song by Punchke, and I'm wondering with this distance now that you have from this project, what's the first song that comes to your mind? I think it's Chuk Chuk. Tell me a bit about that song before we hear it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a song that I actually wrote in one day entirely, uh, the melody and the lyrics. And it was one of the last songs that I wrote uh, before I... We, we rented a studio, like a house in the woods in Slovenia and went there for six days. And the song is pretty much... It's, it's like totally explaining how I felt at the moment. I how, felt how old were you when you wrote this one? Uh, how far in from in because Punch King existed for yeah. 15 years. So it was like in 2019. So it okay, was like so that was one of it was the June ones. 2000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the last so ones. One of the last ones, and um, it's about um, you know you have to. At that stage, I was like the o- the only way that will help me survive here is if I shut down all my urges and aspirations and it's like you know svebiče bolje you know some just just go under the under the ground and shut all your instincts and that's the only way for me to so this was already a transitioning yeah. song you were already bursting to to move away and become displaced yeah i think so now, now in, in retrospect yeah 
and it's just like it, it's a very depressing song <laughs> but um, it has a good groove Inside Radio 89.7 FM. You're listening to Arts Monday, Simpoesis, and my conversation with musician Lucia Ivšić, which we recorded last week in Zagreb, Croatia, where we met to talk about her relocation from Croatia to Melbourne, her PhD project at Sensilab at the Monash University, her music origins, a punk rock band Punčke, with whom she toured Europe, Asia and US before she decided to displace herself by moving to a new country and shattering her previously established identity. 
Here is the second part of our conversation, where we talk about her new music project Jiva, which combines elements of trip-hop, witch house and alternative R&B with the folklore sounds from Slavonia, a region in Croatia where Lucia is from. So you come to Melbourne, this part of your life is finished with this band, Punchke. But at one point after doing this daily diary, you, I assume, come up with an idea to turn to electronic music, yeah. which to me seems quite different from this punk style that you were engaged with for many years. But maybe it's not. Do you see it connected musically? No. So I, I actually am just starting to listen electronic music. So I'm very unfamiliar with anything in the electronic music scene. I've never listened to anything similar. And I was always a guitar person. You know, I loved bands and guitar bands. And um, so. I actually took my guitar away from myself and I was like, I'm banning you to play a guitar. <laughs> In order to In think order beyond. Exactly. Because I think, um, you know, I already, I already left, at least temporarily, I left everything that I created back here in Croatia, in the Balkans and in the rest of the world. And then I was like, well, you know, extracting guitar from my everyday practice. It's an experiment, let's try it. And then, it's like cutting off a limb almost yeah. after a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, and it felt like that. But as I said, like when I, when I moved, I br brought my guitar with me and I was just looking at it and, and I was just like really pissed out of my, at myself because I wasn't able to do anything. I, I just didn't know how to have my usual bodily movements. You know, when you're in a band and I'm a front woman, I get on stage, I have this guitar and I sing and I have certain movements that I'm doing spontaneously, but I have a band behind me. I have two people who are, you know, taking care of everything else. Mm. And now I'm alone. How, how, do I, how do I do this alone? And then I was like, I just started Googling, okay, solo musicians. I don't know. I was just like, okay, what should I do? <laughs> and then, you know, I look at St. Vincent, but I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't know. I don't, I, I just, just didn't feel right. So I decided to buy myself Ableton software. Everyone was telling me about it, that it's a really good tool to use. So I, you know, got a hold of one of the additions and just started like playing with it and then I realized okay so I actually have to get something that's called MIDI you know <laughs> and then I bought a really cheap MIDI controller like a synth like that has a keyboard and as I mentioned earlier I don't have any musical education so I was just like you know I would hit a note and I, oh, I like this note or I, don't, I dislike this note I will hit two notes oh, I like this note um, and started singing I had a microphone in an audio interface and I just started uh, the only thing that I felt comfortable with was actually the singing the voice with the microphone I was like oh yeah I'll just and then you know it was a very hard it was actually work you know 
Now it feels like an enjoy, enjoying process, but it took me six months to get there because it was, you know, I had to get a, have a schedule and say, hey, today you have to work on this at least two hours. Like the writing, you know. So you had the same discipline where every was, single day. Exactly. Every single hours. day, sit down. You don't have to do anything. Like you don't have to create a song. Just sit down and do whatever. And then, you know, it's just like you hate yourself sometimes. You're just like, come on, you know. And also the lockdown didn't help because I just felt completely invisible. I was just like still, you know, contemplating and having a lot of even I, I think I can call it hatred to myself because I was just not sure why am I doing this to myself you know it was <laughs> it was torture but throughout all this you knew you want to remain being a musician that seems like something that wasn't I, ever questioned yeah I think I think th th that's the goal the goal was that I want to be present I want to be visible I want to be visible and present yeah I want to I want to have a voice Mm -hmm. I want people to know me. I, I want to have interact. I wanna. I want people to know me through my work, through my expression, and my expression at that time was unknown. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this is, you know, singing is something that I do know how to do, mm -hmm. and that was the end goal. That's still the end goal mm -hmm. to to just tell my story through my work mm -hmm. without any any. Um, sort of masks on it. Mm. And talking about the story and what is currently your story, as you're saying, is very connected to this sense of displacement and what is the identity, what can it be attached to, what happens when it disappears, the identity, as you know, it that became very much a part of this project, which combines few musical genres and maybe you can talk to us a bit about them. I know there is a rich house and alternative yeah. R&B but then you're combining that with the folklore sound from your region which is Slavonia in Croatia. Yeah so the new project is it actually it's a second iteration and, and now it's the final one. I, I feel very you know that's me. I don't know if you have that feeling when you know that this is it. So when I started, as I said, like when I decided, okay, I, ha I just have to do something. I had like a first couple of songs that I wrote and it was, I even played the guitar a little bit and I could already hear the transition. I just f didn't feel like that's it. And then when I banned myself of like playing the guitar, Jiva came to life and... And, and Jiva is the name yeah, of this new and project. G yeah, so the Jiva is the new project that I started six months ago. So the first song came out late November 2021 and um, so Jiva has a lot of metaphors hidden first of all Jiva uh, is literally translated as being alive in creation but it also means mercury the poisonous element and that's the you know the suffering <laughs> and and it's also the the most interesting thing is that uh, Jiva is actually officially a Slavic goddess of productivity uh, in Slavonia, where I grew up, when I was where I was born, and I just felt that these are the three things that are encompassing perfectly what I am, 
what is left from me, what is always there, you know, being very self-disciplined and systematic, being always make it happen. And also, I really want to be alive. I really want to, I don't want to be invisible. And yeah, I just, um, literally my process was just like playing with instruments and it's very liber liberating when you don't know how to play those instruments. <laughs> So, and when you don't know what kind of music you're uh, creating. So I was just like, oh, I like this, yeah. And I guess the important thing is that it's bilingual. Mm -hmm. In every song, I sing in both English and Croatian, but the Croatian part is always inspired with old folklore that comes from my background, right? Where, where I grew up from Slavonia. And the thing is that it's just, I realized coming to Melbourne, I realized that all that knowledge and memories that we have from other places where we dwelled for a long time, where we grew up, they do build our perception of new world. Mm -hmm. We like it or not. I do perceive Melbourne, you know, when I walk through some streets, they remind me of some streets in Vinkovci. When I, in my, in my apartment, what I cook, I do cook some healthy food now, but I do prefer sausages and pullen and all that. So it's all a very, and I think also uh, my presence, the way I talk and the way I handle myself and my life, there is a very strong, you know, Slavonian moment where I'm just like pushing through walls. And I, I really wanted to, celebrate that and see how I can incorporate my heritage and something that's old mm. into my new identity because it's there I don't want to discard it mm. it's just it's Jiva for me is a continuous process of forming a new identity and just seeing through doing how it comes about so yeah, and it's it's very experimental. I think a lot of so as I said, I, I I've never listened to electronic music, and now that I released two songs, Power was the first one, and the Dualism is the second one. Uh, I had a really a lot of good criticism, and people are really liking it. And it's interesting that now coming back to Croatia, people are telling me you know you really managed to totally get out of the comfort zone. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> it was a hell of a process. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just like experiment. I don't know, experimental music. Some says that, you know, some people are saying, oh, it's like Sevdaliza or it's like FKA Twigs. I would say that it's very personal mm. and it's experimental and work in progress like, like a human is, mm. you know, every human is like that. And for me, this is just a way of making it tangible. Mm. and leaving a trace. Mm. Well, let's hear Power, the first single from yep. what will become an album yep. eventually. Yep. And what's the plan with the album? Is is the third single about to come? Or? Uh, I do have a plan. So I'm, I'm, while I'm in Europe, I am working on some new songs, although not, not as disciplined <laughs> as, as I would be in Australia, but um, the plan is to release a single at the end of this year and then have an album ready for around winter time, Australia or fall, like March, April. Yeah.
Power, a single from the upcoming album by Jiva, a new music project by Melbourne-based and Croatia-born Lucia Ivšić, with whom I met in Zagreb, Croatia, to talk about her experience of moving to Melbourne, as well as her transition from the punk rock band Punčke, which she founded when only 14 and with which she toured the world, to this new, musically very different project, Jiva, which combines cyborg-style music with the folklore sounds of her home region, Slavonia, in eastern Croatia. Here is the third part of our conversation. You're on Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. One of the key things, experientially key things, as it seems to me with this new project, is the performance part of it which includes something that could almost be considered a choreography from your part. Obviously this performance element is lost when we are listening to the album, so how are you negotiating this lack of seeing a performance when we are just listening to the album as the recording of something Mm -hmm. that's meant to be experienced live? That's a good question, but I'm not sure that I know the answer. I've never... I don't know. I think, I think for me, when it's when it comes to recording, it's always recorded live in a way, and I, I think I managed to in- capture that energy. live energy mm. that happens on spot, and that's pretty much the only way that I can do it. But I, I honestly think that voice not just the fact that I'm doing it live uh, and I always try to really do all the things while I'm recording my vocals to get into that zone and to to you know be fully there present when you speak about all things what are they what does ah, the so it's uh, so I have a laptop on my on, on my like on the side where I, I use a Ableton Live and then I have a MIDI controller, like a keyboard where I'm playing the synth and I'm also playing the drums. I have a drum pad, but it's live looping. So I think the, the easiest way to explain it is that the way I'm uh, performing live is l- with live looping. So I start the song by playing the synth, I record the synth and then I sing one part I record it and I loop it back so you hear the synth so for example all the songs power I don't know it lasts for four minutes when it's recorded but when you gonna attend my concert it's gonna last for 10 minutes because it takes time to actually do all those stuff, things and it also it's a it's a different I, I realize that through performing uh, that it has a different flow and I need that different flow and it's a it's almost like another process. It changes with every performance as well. It's very spontaneous how I feel because I can, you know, I can record another vocal, and I did that one one time. Like I, w- I just felt like, oh, you know, I hear this, oh, and then I would record them on spot, wh- like at the concert, and then I would loop them. So yeah, so that's what I have in front of me. Um, but I do love to dance, and I do love to move. Uh, but I wanted to say that I think the voice. Uh, combined with bodily movements is something that brings that um, 
performative element and it can you can even hear it on the recorded things and the fact that I'm changing languages I think that I don't know tone of my voice some nonverbal aspects are present and but as I said it's an experiment so while I'm like now that I've recorded I'm like listening to those songs and I'm realizing Oh, is it really happening? Is am I really communicating nonverbal things? Are people really hearing that, or maybe not? Like, it's okay to say, oh yeah, I don't hear that. You know, it's it's just like work in progress. I'm just seeing part of this exploration because Jiva is also uh, part of my not just artistic practice, but also my research practice is to see how I can mediate that performance through modern technologies. Mm. Now that you're coming back to the research, one thing that you're most recently interested in, and maybe it connects somehow to this bilingual part of the project, is these voice studies that you were talking to me about just a couple of hours ago, where you're also looking at the things like post-humanism and new materialism and Something that you mentioned in connection to these voice studies was the desire to connect with people. What is voice studies? How is it connected to this post-humanism, new materialism? What are those and how do you connect people through this? So I think um, it's a long, like I, I, I sort of don't have another other way around it but when I was performing with Punchka I had a problem with making eye contact with people while I was I, I had a really strong stage presence and when I say strong I was like you know all over the place in the audience it was very it was very recognizable for Punchka it, it made us a really good live band not it, like recognizable live band let's let's say mm -hmm. it like that your energy on stage yeah and for me it was like letting the demons out this is me this is all the things that I'm contemplating all the time all the obsessive thoughts and all that and it was a therapy whenever I would come up of stage I would felt like I had a catharsis you know I would mm -hmm. be like clean and, and ready to take more onto me so and like shamanic almost yeah experiences. It, it, it is and the thing is like sometimes I don't even remember Sometimes I would I wouldn't even be aware what's happening around me. I would and I, I wasn't even able to look at the footage of this concerts and all that and, and people were always telling me that while I'm performing the song, I'm like out there crazy. But in between the songs I would be like my voice would change completely. I would be this very introverted girl saying, Thank you, thank you and then I was like ah you know like you know why are you doing this you know I was just like very <laughs> strange and then with Jiva and I guess was it the space that created that shift was it just the very fact of stepping onto the stage because because that's this phenomena where many and most of big famous performers speak about being shy and then they do these amazing things on stage and it's a real mystery to many you know how can you be shy and how can you do that and what is it what, what happens is it just the change of space is it what the i think it's the change of space in your mind where what happens is you know when i'm performing the song i'm totally giving out everything to you i'm telling you everything 
there's no there's no barriers there's no masks there's nothing this is me these are my feelings my mostly hidden feelings that i have and now i'm giving them to you and while it lasts it feels liberating but as soon as it ends you feel very vulnerable you feel like oh my god what did i just do and if you have time to think about it in between songs I just want to go and, you know, hide. <laughs> and it's addictive because it is liberating and it feels awesome, but it's also very much like why am I doing this? Why am I sharing that with everyone? And my problem was I was I was and I'm still having that problem not a, being able to you know, accept compliments or to just acknowledge them. I feel like oh, I'm embarrassed or and mm. I think you know when people start to clap I'm just like oh let's just get over with this come on you know mm. so for me I can just tell you from my own experience I think it was like that you know my inner critics will will immediately just like oh you know that was bad that was bad let's end this let's end this and with Jiva I want to change that I want to have the fear but face it you know go through it yeah and I'm even surprised, but like I really look at people when I'm performing. I really wanna be present and be not just sharing my own voice, but receiving. But as receiving. Well. Mm -hmm. I wanna receive, and that's where voice studies and new materialism come in place in terms of the you know contextualizing and and supporting it with theory. And it's also a very new area for me, so I'm not an expert. I'm still reading and exploring what other artists are doing and theorists. But it's about looking at the voice, starting from the language and starting from the voice, actually. It's about that your, you as an, your identity is being formed as we speak, as we are doing things, while we are doing them, through discourse you're forming your identity because you're, you you know your choice of words your choice of lyrics mm -hmm. which can then be fluid and in exactly change. and then and it's not just that voice has a nonverbal component and talking about you know there's this that that representational view that was that's still present in Croatia definitely but like in a lot of countries right like in, in our culture is that you know you have this word I feel sad and it's done deal, right? Well, not necessarily, you know? There's a lot of things that are nonverbal, and why would sadness be defined as with this one word? It mm -hmm. can be defined with your gestural movement, it can be defined with your expressions, it is defined with, with all of that. And it's not just defined as that, it's also defined with your memories, with your knowledge, and at the end of the day, it's defined by how the person you're talking with can perceive that sentence. So it's a fluid process and it's it's a it's a it's 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 not fixed. Mm. And that's that's something that now I'm like sort of while Jiva is alive, I'm realizing that that's the power that I have through my performance that I should use. I, I never, I never thought about it with Punchke, mm. but now I'm looking at it from a different perspective, and I feel like it's powerful. It's, it's changing me while I'm singing, and 
actually acknowledging that you're listening to me. Mm. You're not just listening to me, you're sending me some signals and they affect how I sing further. So. Mm.
Yoronisa Radio 89.7 FM. That was my conversation with Lucia Ivšić, a Croatian musician who is currently living in Melbourne, where she is a PhD candidate in Sensilab at the Monash University, a practical research that combines art and technology and includes her making VR projects and installations, as well as initiating a new music project, Jiba, a single from which dualism we've just heard. If you have missed any part of this conversation or would like to listen back, you can head to eastsidefm.org slash artsmonday. That's eastsidefm.org slash artsmonday. For more about Lucia Ivšić, follow her Instagram page, which is underscore XZIVA. Underscore XZIVA. 